before we get started, obviously, I think it's only apropos that I mentioned something about you know both our basketball team, both men and women's. One little tidbit for you: we're the only team in the lab that, for the last two consecutive years, has had both the men's and women's basketball teams make it to the Sweet 16. Only team in the country. So. Kudos to Coach Self and his squad and Coach Henderson and her squad uh, for making it to the Sweet 16. Congratulations and rock chalk as we go to the next venture. And hopefully at the end of the day, you know, we come back with a couple of championships uh, to add to, our, to the trophy case. But I just want to wish them good luck on behalf of the football program and, of course, me personally. And on that note, let's flip it over to flip it over to football right here in the heart of uh, of basketball season. So, um, um, fair game. Go ahead. Pat Lewandowski filling in a big spot for for Tanner um, this offseason so far. How much progress have you seen from him? Significant. You know, I think that what we saw last year when we moved Pat from defense to offense, that he probably had the best feet of any of our linemen, including Tanner. You know, he probably had to, you know, always could get his lower body in position to, to do everything he took. But all the nuances and the idiosyncrasies that come when playing the position, he's gotten better and better. Like tying together your hands, you know, hands with your feet is a, is a whole different deal. But uh, he's, you know, he's up significantly in weight, you know, boarding right around that 290. Uh, 290 weight. And remember when we made this flip up initially, he was about 260. You know, so you know we're up, you know we're up 30 pounds, and it looks to me and growing. You know, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like he's tabled off to where he could get to. And I've been, I always was pleased with his feet, but now he's you know, becoming a much more, much better football player. That switch can that help him? You know, just to understand because he's had that defensive mentality before. You know, what a defensive player might do and how he'll respond to it. Yeah, I think that it helps with aggressiveness, but really at the end of the day, that position is a unique position on the offensive line. The position that is on the blind side of your quarterback. So with a right quarterback, the left tackle, I think to be able to be in position to pass block becomes even more significant than run blocking and everything else. And I think that his feet already put him in a position to be able to play there. I think now the more experience he gets to bet, you know, is a is a high ceiling that he isn't even, isn't even close to yet. I think that he's just going to keep getting better and better. I've heard you mention toughness, especially when you're talking about your offensive line, how you need to get better in that, that area. I mean, does Pat help you do that? Well, I think what's happened, well, well, let's not just group Pat, let's talk about the, the subject of toughness first of all. I think that last year we improved our toughness on our offense because we became one-dimensional. Because, you know, we weren't throwing the ball with any efficiency and we were running it and they knew we were running it, we became a much tougher football team. When people came in, they knew we were running it, we still ran it with some with efficiency. So that means we improve the toughness up front. And I think that now as you have a change in the guard and different players come in and out, you need to have guys with with that mentality that you know that you're not gonna have a drop off in, the, in that in that range and then on top of it you're gonna get much better in the 
kind of need to patch one of the guys that can, can help us get there. I guess uh, during spring break, when you had a chance to go back and reflect on the first five practices, what's kind of been the biggest thing that's jumped out to you? Well, I think that, you know, we're, we gave an awful lot of information in five days. So uh, I think that I think that the, the, the minimal number of mental mistakes was encouraging. Because when you're giving them a lot of information, you're opening yourself up for, for you know, a bunch of mental mistakes. Now, of course, we didn't move people around very much. Uh, now, t today that changes some. So we do just the opposite. We open ourselves up for a whole bunch of mental mistakes. Because now when you start moving one guy from one position to another position, and you don't do it to try to, to try to outthink yourself. You do it because you think that that's where it's, how it's going to end up, or else you wouldn't end up doing that. Now, the, on the, that's on the positive side. On the negative side, let's start on the defensive side of the ball. I think our defensive staff is spending an exorbitant amount of time trying to get people to finish plays, to run to the ball, to get all 11 guys run to the ball on every play. And I think that the, the, the term we use in a negative vein is loafs. Like if a defensive lineman says a ball's going all the way over there, he figures, well, I'll save my energy for this play, and I'll, I'll, I'll worry about the next play. And I think that that's one of the things that we have to get much better at if we're going to get better as a defense, to get 11 guys running to the ball on every single play. And um, that was a defensive staff's idea. I have a little familiarity with that mentality. Because back when I first got into college football, way back in the mid-80s, I went to the University of South Carolina, and they were an undersized, an undersized defense you know, playing in South Carolina that ran to the ball. They, they had a nickname they called the Fire Ant Defense. And it was because they were swarming to the ball on, on, on every single play. And I think defensively, when if your mentality is for everyone to be swarming to the football, you always have a, have a chance of being very successful successful on defense. Do you chart the loafs? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, not only do we chart the loafs, but to start to, to end that end the, end the next practice, they do up-downs for every loaf. So let's say if the defensive uh, team had 22 loafs, they circle up at the end of practice to the next day and they do 22 up-downs. That's after everything else is done already. So you make them do them when they're as tired as they could possibly be. You're trying to, get to, to decrease the number of loops by not having them want to sit there and not only do the loaves, but we call the name with the loaf. So let's say it was Tate. And let's say he had three loaves the day before. So say, okay, Tate, up, down. Tate, up, down. Tate, up, down. So not only are they doing the up-downs, but they're getting mad at Tate at the same time, you know, so it, it kind of stresses, stresses the point. You police each other. I think they all get the picture. <laughs> they, they all, but I mean, they all have to do it together because it's a team deal. Right. So the whole defense doesn't, doesn't begin it, but they're, they're knowing who's, who's, who they're doing it for at the same time. You had a really good running game. Last season, despite the record, I mean, how exciting is it to be able to get all those guys back? It, it, it's it's comforting, you know, because now you know about it. You know, last year you, you thought you knew about it, but now you, you kind of know what you have, and you know, I'm. It gives you it gives you an opportunity to try to do some creative things when you have depth at a position with talent. 
No, we don't have, have very many positions where we have both depth and talent. We might have talent, or we might have depth, but to have depth and talent together, you know, that is not, you know, that's that's the, the makings of what good teams do. They, you know, you look across the board, and they don't just have talent, they also have depth at those positions. You know, we might have depth, we might have talent, but there's very few positions we have both, and that happens to be one position that we do. How has Colin Spencer adjusted to college football in this short time? You know, it, it was interesting because in the very beginning it was like a chicken with his head cut off, yeah. you know. But I think the, the game is starting to slow down for him because, you know, he's a very quick, quick you know, quick, fast. His, his whole deal is his quickness and his strength, you know. The kid's got like less than 2% body fat. I mean, it's it's... I don't know if they've charted anyone, charted anyone as low as him, to be perfectly honest wow. with you. You know, but um, his quickness is his deal, and when you have to think, you know, then, then you, don't play, you don't play as quick. You know, and as he's become more comfortable, you know, you can see him playing more comfortable. And I think that uh, he's continued to pro progress, and I think that by the end of the spring, what's going to happen is in August now, when we come in, you know, he's going to be totally different than as if he would have just come in in August originally. That's one of the big advantages if you do come in here as a high school kid. Is going through spring ball, you're getting all the, the original, the original kinks worked out early. So by the time training camp comes in, you could actually put yourself in a position to compete. How about Monday morning? You were very loud about a. Being excited. Didn't say a word. <laughs> what? Said on one little tweet that you happen to read. <laughs> <laughs> but let's say proud then. How about that? About you know an early workout, welcome back type of thing. Well, first of all, you want him to come back. You know, with snow and everything like that. That's sure. always a concern of yours. You know, right off the bat. So you get him back there, and then you get to that early morning workout, and you know that you know they knew it was coming. This was not like unannounced. Right. You know, they knew that when they got back there that, you know, hey, look, I want the guys to go to have a quality of life like any college kid and go have a spring break like everyone else. But we got business to attend to. And we're right in the middle of spring ball. And for those, there were a couple guys that obviously didn't do a whole lot of work over spring ball. You know, kind of laid on the couch the whole time. And, you know, they were hitting the garbage cans a little earlier than, than some other people. You know, and you know, it's it, it it's very glaring that people sure. look. If you go away somewhere and you're on a beach and you run on the beach every day, that's a good thing. As long as as long as you're doing something to keep your you know keep yourself in shape. So uh, it looks like most of them, you know, most of them put themselves in a pretty good position. You said uh, <coughs> Jake Jake and Michael are getting most of the reps at the quarterback spot. What do you see? All, all the reps. What have, what have you seen so far from them? Well, I mentioned I had a little talk with you know, Bob on this last night on the radio thing. You know, Jake, Jake's experience, experience level, okay, puts him in a really good, really a really good position to be way ahead of where he'd ever be if he just would walk in the door right now. You know, you know, he has a, a high-level understanding of the passing game. Now, Michael's uh, level of the passing game isn't nearly at the same level. That doesn't mean, mean Michael doesn't have the same arm. 
because they both have big arms. Jake has a big arm, and Michael has a big arm. Okay, <clears throat> but the thing is, his experience in a passing game isn't nearly as involved, and because we had a cut back last year significantly in the passing game because our inefficiencies or inadequacies, whatever you want to call them, you know, so there's a lot of stuff that he's getting for the first time right now that even though we had it in our system, we weren't exposing our team to because we weren't, obviously weren't ready for it. So they're both getting, they're both getting the heavy load and I've been pleased with the progress. With Jake, it seems like we talk a lot about his intangibles and leadership qualities, but from a quarterback perspective, what does he need to, to work on? Jake needs just need to get out there. I mean, I think that he's he's got a lot of those qualities. Look at I know that last year everyone talked about Dane and how it turned out didn't turn out the way you know the way it all planned. <clears throat> okay, so what we don't want to do is go put undue pressure on Jake walking in the door saying, you know, he's the savior. But at the same time, the expectation the expectation for Jake that I put on him won't nearly exceed the one that he puts on him. You know, he has a high expectation for, for himself, which is, that's a good place to start. Because normally the problem I have is when I think my expectation is higher than the player's is. And that's not the case with him. You know, he, every time he makes a mistake, you know, he, he feels bad that he makes a mistake. If he doesn't hit a throw, he feels bad that he, that he misses a throw. Because he's a, he's a very accurate passer. He's listed as the, the number one guy. Would you characterize that as, I mean, is he <coughs> the starting quarterback? Or would you characterize would it as more of a competition? He, he's, or? he's the man to beat out. I put him first for a reason. If I thought he deserved to be second walking in right now, I, I'd put him second. And one of the questions, one of the obvious questions I would have to ask myself if I were, if I were sitting in your seat. Okay, you, you know, how can you put guys first ahead of guys who played last year? And my answer is we were 1-11 last year. And I prefer not to be 1-11 again. So if I think the first guys are better than the other guys, then I'm putting them ahead of them. And we have new guys coming in in the summertime. And guess what? It's after, after the spring, if I think those guys are better than the guys that just practiced in the spring, I'm putting them ahead of them. Okay, because we have some players in here, you know, there's at least a half dozen on defense that have a chance of being on the field first play to get first play of the game when we when we play in September. I mean, we're when you're one and eleven, you don't worry about being in love with anybody. You put the best guys out there, whoever they are, and you get you know that's the only way you're going to get better. In your second year as a head coach here, is there anything that you you've done differently this offseason versus last season? <coughs> Well, I mean, last year I was—I spent a lot of time. People talk about changing the culture. I don't call it changing the culture. I, I mean, wiping, cleaning out the program. And and let's not all just say that all with negative, just all a negative vibe. Okay, but cleaning out the program meant top to bottom. You don't want to be here. Leave. I, I could care less whether you're here or not. I mean, either you're a Kansas guy or you're not a Kansas guy. Don't talk to me about depth chart. If you want to talk to me about depth chart, don't play better than the guys ahead of you. I mean, it's a very simple philosophy. You know, I'm, I'm, I have no sympathy. I'm totally unsympathetic. Any player wants to come in and talk about depth chart, I'm not interested. Don't bring it up.
He'll play better than any other guy, and you'll go move ahead. But it wasn't that. You know, it was the expectation that the classroom, the expectation socially. You know, all, all, of, all the factors. I mean, we got rid of 29 guys. You think about it, 29 scholarship players, and a lot of them were, were, were guys that were really playing. When you're making that much of a commitment to wipe out the program, then obviously what you're trying to do is, okay, now we've done this, now where do we go from here? You know, and you know, as, as we do that, you always keep in mind that ultimate goal is for every one of your guys to graduate. Really, that's the first, that's the ultimate goal. Now, while you're doing that, you want them to play football at a high enough level where we can improve the state of the union in Kansas football. Okay, that's why, that's why Holden Tharp is in school right now. He wanted to walk away. I wouldn't let him walk away. I said, you come back here and graduate. I mean, what good would it have done been here all that time and not graduate from school? It really defeats the whole purpose of going. You have 100 guys or so, if 10 of them play it down in the NFL, you know, that's a high percentage. 10% of them play, that would be a high percentage. So, you know, that's the, that's the, you have to be able to mix and match those things. But I think now, you know, we've gone through our one in the one in eleven, getting rid of the twenty nine guys, you know, changing the culture academically, you know, to where now that, that they know what my expectations are. Now they know me and I know them, you know, a whole lot better than we did at this time last year. And there's there's really no there's no gray area anymore. It's all black and white. You know, it's it's this way or that way. You know, there's no you know, well how am I gonna look at that? They they know how I'm gonna react. You ask them a question, what's my reaction to me? They know what the reaction would be. There's no guessing game here. You mentioned you know, now that you're here, they, they do know your expectations. You've been, you kind of switched places <coughs> the past few years uh, since 2009. How comforting is it to be able to be in the same place for two consecutive seasons? I could have stayed in those places too, but just, it, just didn't, it just didn't work out that way. You know, I mean, you know, I. I didn't choose to lose, to leave Notre Dame. They, they chose that for me. I went to the Chiefs. My daughter had a bad experience. That, that's why we left there. And I went to Florida and I really had no intention to leave in there. And then you know, after talking to, to Dr. Zanger a few times, I just felt that this was, this was a rare place I want to be and I want to be here for a long time. Now, if I want to be here for a long time, there's a lot of things that have to change. And one of them has to be, you better start winning more football games. So that's, that'd be, a good, that'd be a good place for us to get to this year. You said uh, yesterday that Ben Goodman is a player on the rise. Um, what has he done to kind of put himself in position to... Uh, <coughs> First of all, he learned, he watched Josh Williams practice last year. Josh took him under his, under his, under his wing. Okay, and it was like his, like his puppy dog. And probably the best thing that Josh left us from last year was his work ethic. He was wonderful. And Ben was his guy. And Ben was carried <coughs> over where, I mean, he goes full speed on every single play just the way Josh did. And I think that that's put him in a position where he already had some God-given ability. But now when you're going full speed on every play, you know, I told, and I told Josh that, and I called Josh at, at, right out in front of the team at the end of the year. I said, Ben Goodman's performance is because of you. 
Benjamin is going to be a player because of you. I said, so when you leave here, even though you're leaving a team that went 1-11, okay, Ben owes you a great debt because you know, that's why he's going to become a player. About Darius Willis, how's he progress? Very encouraged with Darius. Now, when I got here last spring, um, I'm going to talk negative and then talk positive on the same thing. I felt that he was one of those entitled guys that, you know, thought, you know, he was the leading tackle on a team that wasn't any good. So you're leading tackle on a team that wasn't any good, and all of a sudden, does that make you good? So he, instead of going up the depth chart, he started moving down the depth chart. And he eventually got buried where he wasn't going to play anymore. So he went over to the show team. Now, when you go over to the show team, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to go through the motions and become anonymous the rest of your career, or you're going to try to fight your way back. And he worked his butt off. And he worked his butt off in everything he did, where eventually I, moved, I said, we got to bring him back up. we got to find something for him to do. So we moved him. As, we put him as an outside player, you know, to get some because he has some twitch, some fast twitch off the edge. And started turning him into somewhat of a pass rusher over there, playing him behind Tobin. Okay, and then just started to play some and got a little bit of production. You know, now we've tweaked what we're doing on defense. So you need a couple of bigger bodies in there at inside linebacker. Okay, so with the guys that we have playing, he's a little undersized for Buck. No, he's really not big enough for Buck, but he's plenty big enough to play as an inside linebacker. And to be honest with you, he's pushing Heaney. You know, it's not a runaway with Heaney and Burst. I mean, it's you know, it's it, he's he's pushing him. He's pushing him for playing time. You know, it's been a nice competition, and I've been very very pleased with Willis. Okay, he's one of those guys who very easily could have thrown in the towel and could have been it could have been the thirtieth player that wasn't here. But he, but he went the other direction, and and kudos to him because that's that's why he is where he is right now. Can you compare those two guys, Ben and Darius, and come some of the things individually they do well compared to the other? Well, guys? Ben's a little smaller and a, and a little quicker. You know, he's a little smaller and a little quicker. They're both very physical, both very physical players, and can take on the inside game. That, you know that most teams will, will sprinkle in at you. They're both, you know, they're both, you know, capable of doing that. Just Darius is, Darius is a little bigger, you know, a little bit slower, but you know, but also a little bit bigger. Was that he just discovered that himself, found it inside, and just realized what you have to do to be successful here, or did he have? When you're trying to run anyone, everyone out of here, because I would have gotten rid of fifty. Okay, when you're trying to run everyone out of here, some guys come the other way. Now, they don't all have to be great players. I mean, Dexter Linton, for example, was a guy I had gone. Wasn't happy with how things were going, and he ended up playing a whole bunch last year. Why? Because he came around. So, for you know, you always hear about the names of the guys that are gone, but you don't hear about the success stories about people who had one foot out the door and fought their fought their way back not only to be here but you know to end up being being you know productive. It's good stuff you got here. <laughs> <laughs> has the you, you talked about the guys that are here and more coming? Has the competitiveness? I know it's only been five, but has the competitiveness been to your liking this spring so far? 
of the team as a yeah, whole? I, you know, we're, we have better competition in two, two aspects. Uh, offense against offense, and defense, you know, within your own depth chart, you have more competition. And then you also have more competition, you know, offensive and defense. Come to last year at this time, you know, you and I could have started on the defensive line in the spring. I mean, it was, it was, it was in shambles. And that's not the case anymore. I mean, now you got players, you know, decent players going against decent players every day. It makes everybody better. So they have competition on their side of the ball, but then they also have competition when, you know, much, much, much better competition when, you know, the offense and defense are going against each other. Much better than it was at any time last week. It might have been the last time we talked to you, but at the end, you, you know, you talked about those guys that were coming back and had already been here and they see their names below those newcomers on the depth chart. You said that should be a clear sign to them. How have those guys, not you know individually, but collectively responded to that? First of all, one big difference between me and you is I don't care. You do. <laughs> I don't care one bit how they feel. You, know, you will, oh, how's he going to feel? I don't care. You know, yeah. I, don't, I really don't care how they feel. You care how they respond. That's how I care how they yeah. respond. I don't care how they feel. It doesn't make it one bit of difference to me. I mean, if, you, if you're a football player, you're worried about people's feelings. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to hang around in this business very long, you know. So, obviously, obviously, the guys that there's guys that move down the depth chart, and there's guys that move up the depth chart. Uh, we talked about Willis. Right. That's a perfect example. Right. I mean, he's moving up. He's not moving down. Okay, he might be two, and it, and he got reps some last week at one. I mean, so there's guys that move both ways. You know, I, I learned a long time ago a very simple phrase. Go by what you see. Go by what you see. And that's a coaching phrase saying just watch what happens and play based off of what you see. Don't play, don't play, play players based off a reputation. Go by what you see. And I think that... As long as you live by that, you know, you'll be okay. How do you feel about the uh, receiver position so far? I think that there's there's at least a couple players that I've been very pleased with. Okay, and I'll cite them. Okay. You know, I know that a couple people have seen Christian Matthews on the two deep. You know, he's been running first team now for, for the whole last week. I mean, Christian Matthews has been the most pleasant surprise of anyone. And I was hoping Justin McKay would move up into that realm, and he's moved up into that realm too. So those guys who are running twos have now been running a lot of ones. So those two guys who are two guys like, who could have evaluated Christian Matthews as a receiver last year? His claim to fame was Wildcat quarterback. You know, that's what anyone knows about Christian Matthews. Okay, but right now, if we were playing a game today, he would start it. He would start a wide receiver. And so with McKay, if we were playing today. All right, so there are two guys. One was on the show team, and the other guy was wallowing away in anonymity. Okay, so now they're both factors. And remember now, there's a number of guys coming in at that position. We talked about defense having a half dozen. That's the one position on offense where there's a number of players coming in that could get into this mix and hurry. So some of these guys better make their, state their claim right now. Because I'm going to want to find out what those guys can do once they get here, right? I'm not going to sit there and put them on a bench and not put them out there and see whether or not I think they're better or not. 
You know, all of everyone's going to be second guessing me again when you see their names on the depth chart ahead of some of the guys that are here. But the guys are here. This is their time now. They're five practices in. They got ten to go. Okay, they they do it. Now's the time where they can move. They can position themselves based off of their performance. Any others? Six thirty-seven. <laughs> That's all you care about anyway, so I figured we can make sure we had that time. Make sure you're all set, 637. You'll be watching. I'll be watching.